0: this morning. And the series is going to focus on habits. And uh, if you, if you're new in, in your bulletin, in your weekly bulletin, we have sermon notes in there. And those are so that you can follow along with the notes on the screen. You can take them home so you actually have something that you can, uh, you know, go over during the week. And hopefully that will help you. Uh, also, if, if you're a, an app person, Uh, You can find us on the YouVersion app. That's a free Bible app you can have on your phone or iPad or whatever you want. And our sermon notes are on there, so they're digital. You can email them to yourself or whatever. But let's talk about habits this morning, uphill habits. And Aristotle once said, we are what we repeatedly do. And what that means is that all of us, we're a sum total of what we repeatedly do, that our actions and our behavior, they define who we are. And it's also been said that that we form habits and then our habits form us. And that's a very difficult thing. Once we get in a, in a habitual pattern, it forms who we are. And sometimes it's very difficult to break one habit that we know isn't the best and start and start a, a new habit. And um, so this series is really focused. I'm really going to try to shift our thinking and hopefully we can, we can form some new habits, some godly habits, some habits that will take us where we want to go. If we are what we repeatedly do, that means that if we want to be in a different place than we are, we have to change something. Something has to give. If, if we keep doing the same thing we're doing, it's probably not going to help us. Now, here's the problem. Most people have uphill hopes but downhill habits. You know what I'm saying? Our hopes are up here. But hope will get you started, but hope is not a strategy. I mean, you can, you can hope all you want, but if you have downhill habits, you have habits that are bringing you down, you're not going to get to where, you know, where you really want to go. So, um, so what we're going to try to do, the, 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 the best strategy is to implement and form some healthy habits in our lives, some habits that will be beneficial to us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, and I think that will really help us. You know, one of the, the whole goal of family life, people ask me, what's the, goal of, what's the goal of family life? And the goal of family life is very simple. We want to help people. We want to help people to grow. I'm not concerned whether we have 5,000 or 500, but here's what I believe. If you're not helping people, then why, why are we coming? And I was, I was, uh, I, I say this often. I tell people, hey, give family life a year. Give family life a year. Go all in for one year. And then evaluate your life and see if you're in a different place than you were, you know, the year before. I was thinking about this and, uh, you know, I just think there's something about going all in because, you know, th- think about this. If you don't go all in for your marriage, it can never be what you want it to be. If you never go all in in your career or on your job, it will never be all that it could be. If you never go all in to God, if you never cash all your chips in, if you never just say, this is the only route for me, there's no plan B. If you don't go all in for God, then, then you know, your Christianity, it will not reach the potential uh, that, that you want it to. And I think the same is, is true for a church. If, if uh, you know, if we're going to be in a church, we just, we just got to go all in. We got we to gotta get involved. We got to do things. And I was thinking it's the middle of May and this year just so far in the first four and a half months we've had we've had several several six week bible studies we've had 20 sunday services so that's that's 20 lessons that hopefully encourage you our student ministry has had 20 services as well which means if your students been going going every week then they're they're getting fed every week we we've had several one day conferences we had a marriage one day marriage conference two weeks ago we had a one day a Saturday, the SMART conference, the Dave Ramsey conference. I mean, these conferences have some incredible material. Uh, we're finishing up this Wednesday, I believe, this Thursday finishes up our first FPU for the year, Financial Peace University. And I, I'm just so i am so, so encouraged by everything we do. But do you know that last, last, and last fall in our FPU class, 13 people took the class, and they paid off $89,000 worth of debt. Like that's getting something done right there. That's getting something done. But here's the thing. If you're not good with money, it's because of habits. So you've got to change your habits. You've got, you've, got to, uh, you've got to do something. We started off the year with a week of prayer and fasting. So in the first four months, there's been some incredible opportunities for you to grow, for you to participate. Uh, but to receive those benefits, like you've got to get involved. You've got to do something. Uh, you know, it doesn't travel by osmosis. And so to form new habits... Think about this. To form new habits, you, you really have to get outside of the box you've been living in. The box, your habits, where you are today got you where you are today. So if you want to get somewhere else, you've got to get outside of that box. you got to try some new things, meet some new people, go some places you may not uh, want to go. How many of you here this morning, uh, someone invited you to do something or there's something, you know, that you— you knew that you probably should do, but you just didn't want to do it. How many of you have ever done something like that? And then how many of you, after you went, you're like, man, I'm really glad I went. I'm glad I made the effort. See, so sometimes we don't know because uh, we, we, we don't try things. So I want to be up front with you, real, real up front with you this morning. What we're talking about is not easy. If, if uphill habits were easy, everybody would be doing it. So it's not easy. It's going to take some some intentionality, some discipline, some some determination. So downhill habits are easy, but uphill habits are challenging. It's a challenge, but it's worth the effort. So the next thing here is that everything worthwhile is uphill. I have never done anything that was life-changing, life-transforming, that really benefited me, that was just like riding a bike downhill. It seems like you're on a stair climber for three days, right, going uphill, like it's hard work, it's effort, it's, it takes determination. Um, so these next four, four weeks, I'm going to talk about four principles, four, four God habits, four uphill habits. There's more than that, but I think these are macro level, they, they cover a lot of material. So I want to encourage you to uh, go home and invite your friends, you can listen to it, they can listen it on the podcast and, and bring them and come every week so you can really get these things uh, in, into your life. I want to encourage you right now because right now when I start talking about new habits, uh, some of you, you have a bunch of excuses floating around in your head. How many of you? (laughs) We're all guilty, right? How many of you when you start hearing something, the first thing you do is think of why you can't do that? And so that's a a problem. Y'all want to hear a Boudreaux joke? So Boudreaux, he was a professional excuse maker too. You know, and just like we, and, and so he was out fishing with his friends all day, and he was driving home, but he was swerving all over the highway. So the, the, the police officer pulled him over and said, got his license, said, Mr. Boudreaux, we, we have a problem. You're swerving all over the road, so we're going to have to give you a breathalyzer. And Boudreaux says, man, you can't did that. They're like, well, why not? He's like, I'm asthmatic. I could die right here on the highway. He said, okay, Mr. Boudreaux, we're going to have to take you into the uh, police station and give you, give you, take a blood test. He said, man, you can't did that. I said, well, why not? He said, well, I'm a hemophiliac. I could die right there in the police station. He said, well, well, Mr. Boudreaux, then we're going to have to do a urine sample. And he's like, man, you can't did that. He said, well, why not? And he said, well, because uh, I have diabetes and some other things that will give you a false reading. He said, well, Mr. Boudreaux, we need you to get out of the car and come walk in a straight line. Man, I can't did that. I was like, well, why not? He said, because I'm drunk. So no excuses. You need three things before we start this series. You need three things. You need three things if you're really going to change your habits and and upgrade your habits. If you want to the challenge of taking on the uphill, the um, uphill habits. The first thing is is you do need you need hope for the future. And here's what I want you to understand is you know I talk to people all the time who have problems and they feel hopeless. Listen, we have God with us and. And and God will help us. He can help us improve every, every life. So I just want you to understand your finances can improve. Your marriage can improve. Your kids can come back to God. Your addictions can be broken. Your career can be restored. Your emotions can be healed. There's an incredible story in John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And Jesus and his disciples or, or traveling, and they go, they go through Samaria. And the Bible says that they had to go through Samaria, which is interesting because the Jews would always walk around Samaria. But he had to go, he had to, go to, to Samaria, and I believe it's because he had a divine appointment with the woman at the well. And they come to a town of Sychar, and the disciples go into town to get, to get food. And Jesus is at there by Jacob's well by himself at noon, and a Samaritan woman comes out to get water. What was interesting is she came out at the time when most people didn't come out for water. And she did that because she was really, really a messed up person. And Jesus starts having this conversation with her. And, you know, he asked, tells her to go get her husband. And she's like, well, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not married. He's like, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're with is not your husband. So, and she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. One of the great lines in the Bible. But he starts talking to her about, he's like, if you, if, if you knew who I was, you would ask me to get, and I would give you living water, and you would never thirst. And again, it's when we read this, we don't understand that in, in, in the Jewish time, living water was moving water, streams of water, and it's just a well with just just stationary water. And she's like, "Well, how how can you make this living water?" And I want you to. I want you to. John four ten. It says this. Jesus answered her, and he said, "This. If you knew the generosity of God." And who I am, you, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. Think it. If you knew the generosity of God, if you knew the power of Jesus, you know, you wouldn't be worrying about how you would just be asking me for. And I, I want to say that to you today. You know, maybe you're in a bad place. Maybe your life hasn't gone the way uh, that you want it to. But here's what I want to say. If you knew the generosity of God, if you understand how much Jesus loves you, if you understand the power of God and that he's willing to help you, that he wants to help you, that he wants to get you where you want to be, if we really understood that, we would never give up on life. If if we really understood that, it would change our perspective on life. It doesn't matter how long you've been down. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. You know, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world. And just just think about that. Jesus said, if you knew the generosity of my father, if you knew how generous my father was, how much he loved you, it would change how you see things. So I want you to, let, let's start off with that. There, there is hope. There is hope. You, you have to have hope for the future. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, one of the famous scriptures, Jeremiah is writing to Uh, to the the captives to the people that have been displaced in Babylon and and he says this he said he's speaking for the Lord for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future now think about this they're in captivity because they've consistently rebelled against God they've consistently broken his commands uh, his word but God says, even though you're in captivity, I still have a plan for you. So that, that, what that says for us is, if we're where we're at because of our own mistakes, that God still has a plan for us. He still has a future for us. And, and it's a hopeful, a great future. So you need hope for the future. The second thing you'll need to form some new habits is you need to repent from the past. You have to make a course correction. and uh, You know, Society today, they, they, they have the wrong concept of the word repent. It has a negative comment, connotation. You know what the word repentance means? To repent means that you change your course. Repentance means I was going this way on my own, but now I would rather go this way with God. I was going this way and doing my own thing and selfish, but now I want to go this way. So the connotation is repentance says what I'm doing hasn't been working, and I want to change the course you know, of my direction. I want, I want a course correction. If, if you've ever been through any type of recovery program, Alcoholic Anonymous or any, any type of program, uh, there's a five-chapter book that almost everyone that goes through these is familiar with. It goes like this, chapter one. I woke up one day and I decided to go on a walk. As I was walking down the road, I fell into a deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 2, I woke up this morning and I decided to go for a walk. And as I was walking down the road, I fell into the same deep dark hole and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I woke up today and I decided, I decided to go for a walk. And as I was walking down the street, this time I saw the deep dark hole. But I got too close to the edge and I accidentally fell in and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 4. I woke up this morning. It was a beautiful day. I decided to go for a walk. And as I was walking down the road, I saw the deep, dark hole. And this time, I walked around it. Chapter 5. I woke up this morning. It was a beautiful day. I decided to go for a walk. But this time, I walked down a different street. Come on now. Listen. If you are repeatedly doing the same things and getting the same result, come on. Let's walk down a different street. Let's don't walk up to the hole and see how close we can get to it. Let's get some new friends. Let's try some new things. Let's take a class. Let's learn something. But the most important thing is you've got to quit making excuses, and you have to take personal responsibility. And so that's what God wants for us. Repentance is, I've tried that way, and that way just really stunk. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to walk down a different street. I'm going to get new friends. I'm going I'm to try some new things because it can't be worse than over there. But we've all fallen into deep, dark holes, and, it, and it's hard to get out. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. This is the apostle Paul. This is amazing, his humility. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I need, I need a hope for the future. I, we need a repentance from the past. And then we have to, to form some uphill habits, and Romans twelve in verse two it says this: it says to fix your attention on God. Can you say that with me? Say with me. Say, fix your attention on God. Don't worry about anything else. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, dragging always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So we, we, have, to, we have to fix our attention on God. And, you know, we have to, God works from the inside out, which means sometimes on the outside it doesn't look like things are getting better. But God is starting with our heart. If our heart gets right, if our emotions get, get, get healed, then our outward actions will reflect what's, what's been taking on in the first place. So let's go to habit one this morning. Habit one, I'm calling focus on what you you do first. Focus on what I do first. The principle of the first, it runs through the whole Bible, and it's a powerful concept. Uh, You can learn everything you need to know about a person or about yourself by discovering what they do first. What's the first thing they fix their attention to? What's the priority in their life? And so if, if the number one uphill, uphill habit is that we have to focus on what we do first, the first part of every day, the first part of our time, the first part of our attention, the very first thing, because what we do first usually shows what's important to us. And so the very first thing is to put God first, to put God first. Now, this sounds very simple, but our, our, I believe our lives would be dramatically changed if we could find a way to put God first. And, and as I'm sitting there, see, I think a lot of times we deceive, our, we deceive ourselves and we, we think, you know, well, I've been a Christian for a lot of years, so God's first place in my life. Listen, you can be a Christian for a long time. You can come to church every week and God not be a pri- the, the number one priority. Now I'm going to make a statement, and I'm not making this statement to scare you or make you mad or anything like that. It's a strong statement. I'm just warning you before I, before I say that. If God is in your life, but he is not first, he's not really in your life. Because God refuses to be at any other place in your life. He he demands the first. So so listen, if God is on your list, but God is way down the list, he may not really be on the list like you think he is. And so uh, God refuses to be less than first in our life. And he, he has... The right to demand that because he gave us his first, Jesus, right? He gave us his first and only son. And think about this. In the Bible, God always models what he wants from us, which means that God does it before we do. So God says, I'm going to give you my, my, my one and only son. I'm going to give him to you for the redemption of your sins. And, and what I require, you know, I'm not requiring perfection, but I am requiring you to put me first. And and it's very, very interesting. Let's look in the Bible about this. I was thinking about this, and you may think this is crazy, but I was thinking about Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1, you know, it starts off with the story of creation. But it, it starts, the Bible starts off this way, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. What if, what if, what if that was our life motto? In the beginning, God. At the very first, God. God, God is at the first. Then if you go to Exodus 20, when, when God is listing the Ten Commandments for the children of Israel, the first of the Ten Commandments says this. Exodus 20, verse 1 through 3, it says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, that word gods, little g, it, 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 it could also be translated as loves. You should have no other loves besides me. And uh, so the first of the Ten Commandments and the very first thing, the very first thing God requires of us is you can't have anything in my place. I have to be at the top. I have to be at the first. You know, you have to love me more than you love the other things. And, and I, I think that's honestly where, where a lot of our problems start. I mean, we love God. We want to go to heaven with him. But honestly, I mean, honestly, if we just look at our lives, he's not the first. He's not at the top. There's other things that have moved up. Then Jesus said it this way. So we got got one from Genesis, one from the Old Testament, Exodus, and one from Matthew 22. This lawyer is questioning Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied this way. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I, I don't think that, I don't think I need to go in depth on that. I know you have a very astute, very smart congregation. But when you love something with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, uh, that thing or person has first place. And, and Jesus said that that's how it has to be in serving him. So we put God first. And how, how do we do this? We're talking about the habit of the first, what you do first, put God first. And the, how we do this is we give God the first of everything. We give God the first of everything. And many, I'm going to be honest with you, many times this principle is not taught right in church. Many times we talk about putting God first. All we ever mention or all people ever mention is the tithe and and you should tithe and all that. But I want to say this. The principle of tithing is, is for sure real, and you should do that. But I don't think, when it's talking about putting God first, I don't think money is at the top of the list. I think there's things like our heart, like our thoughts, like our, I think there's a lot of other things. You can, you can give the tenth to God and still live like hell. I, I mean, I know some people like that, okay? Uh, of course, no one in Family Life. But, but think, think about this. I, you know, this principle of the first is all throughout the Bible, and, and God just He wants the very first from us. He, he wants to be first in our lives. And Leviticus twenty seven thirty, it talks about the tithe. It says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. So, but, but look at Deuteronomy 1423, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first place in your life. And most people, not all, but most people, if you'll give someone your money, your heart goes with it, right? I mean, I, I, I love my kids and they go to college, so some of my money goes there. A lot of my money goes there. <laughs> when they finish college and, and I don't have to pay for anything else, I love them a little bit more. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But whatever we spend money on, it, it, the, Jesus says this: where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if none of your money flows to God, that that that's a problem. But money isn't necessarily the number one thing. So the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first place in your life. And so thank God that our tithes help to build buildings and support the kingdom of God. Uh, we have missionaries all over the world that we, we support. We've started, so far this year, we've started six new churches in Nepal. That, that cannot get done without money. It just, it just can't. You can't have a building without money. You can't do outreaches without money. So how do you do this? How do we put God first in everything? Let's think about this. First of all, uh, give, God, give God the first part of your day. Just start every day by giving God the first of your day. And people ask me, well, Terry, if you spend 30 minutes with the Lord at 6 in the morning or you did it, do it at 2 in the afternoon, does, does it really matter? The time is the same, but one is the first and one is not. And I, I think there's, if you go through the, it's an incredible study and it's in-depth, there's something special about giving God the first. It's just, there's something that it magnifies itself. And so think about this. instead of waking up and getting on our computer and just running out, instead of getting on our phone, instead of doing a lot of things to do, what if we woke up every day consistently and gave God just the first, a little, a little first part of our day? Um, I, I, I told someone this a while back, I can't remember who, but um, there's a concept called the first 15. And people always tell me they don't have time. Everyone can make 15 minutes. If you can't make 15 minutes... I don't know what to say, but everyone has 15 minutes. You can make 15 minutes, okay? So here's what you do. What do you do in 15 minutes? First of all, take five minutes to read your Bible. Take five minutes. Read a psalm, read a proverb. Uh, if, If you read through the Bible, you can actually read through the Bible if you do it every day in about 10 to 15 minutes. So five minutes reading your Bible. Five minutes worshiping. That's one worship song. Put on your favorite worship song and just worship the Lord in five minutes in prayer. I mean, without looking at your phone, just, just start praying for five minutes. And someone says, well, Terry, 15 minutes isn't very much. Yeah, but if you're doing nothing and you start doing 15 minutes every day, that's a lot of time. Yeah, would I rather you do 20 or 30? Absolutely. But if you're doing nothing, start with 15. And here's what I believe. When you start giving God the first of that and start giving him devotion in the morning, I believe not only will your day go better, but I believe you'll get good at it. And before you, before you know it, you'll be doing 20, 25 minutes. And it wasn't a chore because you, you're used to it. You're giving God the first. The second thing is give God the first of your week. Some, some people, sometimes we do things we don't realize, realize why. Do you know why the Christians, the early, the early church, they changed their service from Saturday to Sunday? There were two reasons. One is because Jesus resurrected on Sunday. That's, that's one reason. The second reason was in Jewish culture, Sunday is the first day of the week. And they wanted to start their day with worship and rest. They wanted to start their week with worship, with worship and rest. And, and um, so just, just think about this. I, I've mentioned this, and I'm not going to make people feel bad, but we are so busy. We are so busy. And we're so busy that we're stressed out. And what, what if? You had one day of the week, Let, let's say you have to work on Sunday. Just think on Sunday, what would happen if it was about spiritual worship and physical rest? No home projects, go home, eat together, take a nap, say, Terry, I can't do that. I, I'm, okay, that, that's fine. But I think what you would find if you did that is that Monday through Saturday, you'd get a lot more done. We're, we're burning the candle at both ends. God did not design our body to go seven constantly, consider, he didn't, he didn't design us to be that way. And I think that some, something happens in us when we just worship and we rest. We just, you know, Terry, what am I supposed to do? Do nothing. Well, I can't do nothing. Sure you can. You can, you're just not used to it. You got to train yourself uh, to, to do that. And the next thing is to give God the, the, first of, the first of your month. Take time to plan your month. And that's, you know, it's you know, sometimes when you're busy, you your husband and wife, whatever you look at the next month, and oh man, we got to plan things. We have all this stuff, and when you when you plan your month, you have to plan in such a way that it puts God first. I mean, if you plan all these things to where you can't spend time with God, uh, that's a problem. I think it's very, very, very important. So. We're going to focus, the very first habit is focusing on what we do first. What, what's the first thing that gets our time and our attention? What's, what's the number one thing that, 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 we, that we love the most? And um, so we're going to uh, focus on what we do first. We're going to give God, put God first. We're going to give God the first of everything. The third thing is this, and this is, should help you, hopefully, encourage you. Ex- once you do that, you can expect God to bless the rest. See, that, that's, that's one of the big things is that this principle of the first says this, is that when you honor God with the first, that he blesses, or you could even say he multiplies the rest. It's quite simple. It's quite interesting that I've always found that, you know, if I have a super, super busy day, but I still give God the first of my day, I seem to get everything done. Because you, you, have God, you have God helping you. And, and it's this way with everything in our life. You know, you give God the first of your time. He multiplies your time. Give God the first of your money. He multiplies your money. Give God the first of your thoughts. And he multiplies your thoughts. You, you know where I've had all of my great thoughts at? When I, when I was praying. I mean, sometimes I think I have a good thought. I, t- I tell Tracy, man, I had, a, I had a really good thought today. And I tell her, she not, is not very excited about it. She's like, I, I think you need to pray about that, you know. But if I'm praying and it comes from God, it changes It changes the flavor of that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. That word submit, it just simply means that, you know, you submit to God because even though you may think differently, he knows better than you, Okay. And, uh, and he will make your path straight. But think. let's go back to the first part of that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I think the reason that most people don't put God first is because they don't, they don't really trust that he'll come through for them. I need a better amen than that. Thinking about that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so, you know, th- think about this. If If it's you know, if it's your time, if it's your money, if it's with your children, if it's with your marriage, if it's with your career, when you really trust God and say, God, I, I'm going to lay this thing on the altar, I'm going to give you the first here, what you're doing is when you trust Him, you also know that in some way or fashion it's going to be multiplied back. We don't do it to get multiplication. That's just a principle from the Bible. We do it because we love God and we want to we want to honor Him. But so many times I talk to people And the reason they're not doing something, giving on the first, is because they're worried that if they do that, they won't have enough for themselves. And, and, And the trust is a really, really big thing. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing, your vats will brim over new wine. But think, again, think about this in terms of everything. Honor God with your time and with the first fruits of what you do, and your barns will be filled with time. Honor God with your thoughts. Honor God with your thoughts. And he's going to bless and multiply your thought life, your thinking thinking life. Honor God. Put God first in your relationships. Then you know what? God's going to multiply, increase, and bless your relationships. And usually when I meet with people, usually if they're lacking in an area, it's because they haven't put God first there. And if you can change that, if you can put an uphill habit, I'm going to focus first on God, I think it will revolutionize your life. I mean, I'm going to tell you a personal story. Um, I don't, maybe it was five or seven years ago. It's been a while. I think it was a, maybe longer than that. I think it was about the time I was around 40. And as my kids tell me, that was a long time ago, right? But So I woke up one day, and, and you ever have anything just sneak up on you? I woke up one day, and I just didn't feel right. I just, physically I felt fine, but something wasn't right. And so over the next few days, I just, I look back now and and I just became depressed. But I'm not a depressive person. Like I always wake up and I'm ready to go do things. And Tracy's asking me, what's wrong with you? I was like, well, that's a million-dollar question. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, So I tell her nothing. She's like, are you depressed? I'm like, no, it can't be that. And uh, and I, I mean, I just, I. You know, it lasted probably about six to eight weeks and and man I just you can't shake it off. And it scared me when she told me she was worried about me. Because I, you know, well, I was a little bit worried about myself too, but then I thought, out of paranoia thought, I thought, man, I hope she doesn't call an intervention or something. You ever see these interventions on TV and we have family and people are gonna make me mad come and try and tell me what's wrong with me, you know? And um and she said, Yeah, are you praying? I'm like, Well, I am, but it's like Heaven is on mute. I can't hear anything like I normally do. And so this is going, this is going. And, and so uh, one day I woke up, I made a cup of coffee. The house was empty. All the kids were gone. Tracy was gone. Everything, everything was quiet. So I took a cup of coffee and I went over there and I started reading my Bible. Now, I'd been reading my Bible the past six weeks. I didn't hear anything. Couldn't feel anything. Just the connection and uh, but this time this day when I made my coffee and I went and sat down I started reading my bible and it, and it came to life and the holy spirit started speaking to me and he told me why I was in the condition that I was in he's like Terry you're trying to help everybody else you got to help yourself sometimes too and you know in as a pastor there's always one more call to make there's always someone that's in trouble there's always a marriage that's he's like man you, you you can't fix the world you got to you got to help yourself too and so anyway, we, I got to that. But I learned, I learned something during that time. Write these three things down. I don't, I don't know if they're on your notes or not. If you want to change the direction of your life and form an un, uh, uphill battle, you have to do something. You have to do something. You have to take some form of action. I mean, if you're depressed and you just sit at home by yourself, you're going to still be depressed. You know, if your money's not good and you don't do any, you don't take any different action, you're, you're gonna have money problems next month. If your relationships are in a mess and you don't do something different, you don't take some type of action, so you have to do something. It goes it gets worse from there. Number two, you have to do something differently than you're currently doing. What you currently are doing got you where you are. So you have to do something, and it has to be different from what you have been doing. Because what you've been doing has got you to there. So um, if you could have fixed the problem yourself with what you're currently doing, the problem would have gone away a long time ago. Number three, this is the kicker. You have to do something you probably don't want to. This is an amazing thing. People, you know, people schedule times to come meet with me and and, you know, they're telling me with the issues that they're going with. And, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I've, I, I've prayed with, counseled thousands of people in the last 20 years. And so generally I can give them some pretty good advice. And they're telling me what's going wrong. But you know what I always find interesting? I said, well, here's some things you could do. They never like what I suggest. Not one time they said, Pastor, that's a great idea. They're like, Boudreaux, I can't did that you know? I mean, there's always an excuse as to why they can't do that. But if you're in a bad place and you want to get to a different place, you have to do something. You have to do something new, something you haven't been doing, and you have to do something that you probably don't like. Now, here's the good news. After you start doing it and it starts to help, you'll like doing it because it's pulled you out uh, from where you are. So Habit number one, the worship team can come up. Habit number one is we have to focus on what I do first, what I do, not what my neighbor does, not what my wife does. I would focus on what I do first. We're going to put God first, give God the first of everything. And then after we do that, we put God first and we, and, and we give God the first, then we can have faith that he's going to bless the rest. Listen, if we're just talking about money, if we give God the first tenth, Would you rather 100% that's not blessed by God or would you rather 90% that's blessed and multiplied by God? So it's like that in in our thoughts and relationships and every single thing. So would you stand with me this morning? You know, church, if you're here this morning and you just say, you know, I believe God has more for me than I'm currently experiencing... I I just wanted to encourage you that it it really just starts with your habits. And, you know, honestly, every one of us at some time or another have developed some bad habits that we had to go break and get back to good habits. We're all, you know, we're all just a couple days removed from doing something that we shouldn't do if we don't keep on track. So not trying to make you feel bad, but we just want to help you this morning. If you're here this morning you say, man, Terry, I think this message just hit me and the Holy Spirit just talking to me and, uh, uh, about this principle of first and I've put maybe I've just put some things other than God at the first and I just, I want to admit it I want to repent from it and I want, to, I want to change course would you just raise your hands with me this morning God we're so thankful for your love and faithfulness God Lord first of all we just ask you to forgive us for putting something other than you at the throne of our heart and life Just take a moment between you and God just just to repent, just to make sure that he's number one in your life. God, I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would help all of us to trust you. As Jesus said, if you knew the generosity of God, and who I am, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. God, this morning, we need your living water. And Lord, in every area of our lives, God, Lord, we just realize that you have the the power and and you have the generosity to give us what we need. So God, I just pray all across this auditorium, God, help us to trust you, whether it's with money or relationships or time or our thoughts, God, God, just give us the ability to see you For the powerful creator of the universe, God. Lord, so many times when we read the Bible, we don't, we don't, we have a hard time comprehending your power, Lord. That that you're all powerful, Lord God, that you can do anything, you can change anything, and you love us and you want to help us this morning. Now, God, I just pray you begin to minister to people. Holy Spirit, just begin to minister to people. I pray for the spirit of encouragement. To fill this auditorium. Let, let's sing that chorus through. Let's just begin to worship and, for a
1: moment. Open up my seen Show me.
0: if you could help us stack all these chairs and stacks of eight, that would be awesome. God, this morning we give you our lives, Lord. Lord, we we put you at the throne of our heart. God, we we put you as the first of importance.